Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Change on the Run podcast, where we discuss common change challenges and ways to address them when you're short of time. And I'm your host, Phil Buckley. Today's topic is negotiating deadlines. Setting realistic project timelines requires a thorough understanding of the change and the context in which it is being made. The level of change complexity, resource availability, and operating environment are inputs into creating a fact-based calendar for the timing of deliverables. Negotiating deadlines requires aligning leader and project team expectations with your assessment of the transition work and the time needed to complete it. So, how do you negotiate deadlines that enable you to complete tasks and activities to their specifications within dynamic operating environments? And my guest today is Kathy Brown. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. Thrilled to be here today. Such an important topic that I actually don't think receives enough attention these days is the whole negotiation. So really glad that you are delving into that topic and happy to be here today doing it with you. Thanks, Kathy. Absolutely agree. I think this is a topic that we rarely talk about and the strategies of how to do it well. Kathy has over 25 years of change and business transformation experience in industries including communications, media, technology, and financial services. Kathy holds a BBA business from Wilfrid Laurier University. So Kathy, you've been on so many different change initiatives. What's been your experience with negotiating timelines? Well, I'd start by saying, gee, I wish I could do it more often and be given that opportunity. Now, I am seeing a shift, but as I look back a few years ago, the change management often was a more passive exercise. Instead of being done in tandem with the project management, you were given the project schedule and said, there's your deadlines, go to it. But that's shifting. And I think as more and more people recognize the complexity of change and especially our leadership, and they're really coming around to that. And I'm seeing that especially in post-COVID days where so many people had to make some changes on the run, literally on the run, to be up and productive within a few days. People saw that taking people through change was important and critical to a project, but at the same time, very complex and a very tough exercise Overall, a great opportunity to engage with the project team early so that you have deadlines that everybody can be successful with. Kathy, that's such a fascinating point about how things have changed now. It is interesting, I find, where change is brought in earlier than what we would have seen in the past, that it has a greater connection with the strategy versus the execution. What do you think that's going on? Like, what is different now that brings us in, let's say, more quickly and more closely into the strategy of transformation? I think it is more sensitivity to the different types of people that you have in the workplace. Workplaces are much more diverse now and diverse in in many different aspects, different backgrounds for sure, different cultures, but different learning styles and different experiences. The whole human resource organizations have done a really good job right from the top all the way down of making us understand that everybody operates differently. So therefore, everybody deserves consideration when you're putting a change in front of them, and especially ones that impact them directly. It's a lot to do with better understanding of people in general and more compassion in the workplace. 
Certainly. And it's interesting now with that appreciation that people are different, people need to be supported through the transition. And then that links back to the amount of activities and support we require versus, hey, just go on a training program and you'll be fine. And then also the time that it takes to do that well. But the whole negotiation part within the project management ecosystem is challenging because change is just one element of the team and one input into the transition. Why is it difficult when we're negotiating for timelines and deadlines and the amount of work that's required and the resources? Why is that difficult? Well, I think it is because of complexity of change. So a lot of those things that you brought up, a lot of people are still learning about change and how different groups go through the evolution of change. But, you know, any change can be, I would say, incremental to some, yet radical for others. So it's really important to understand those different groups and really walk through their jobs, understand what's going to be transitioning for them. As you mentioned, environments are very dynamic as well. So there's change happening around your change. There's just so many moving pieces that you're trying to layer in while you try to understand how everybody is going to adapt. And a lot of it is you're learning their jobs too for the first time, their as is and their to be. So just many, many moving pieces, many different learning styles out there. And it all adds up to a lot of complexity that you have to build into giving yourself enough runway to be able to execute it fairly for everybody. But at the same time, you have to be respectful of conflicting priorities that you're going to be looking at. Absolutely. And you talked about sort of earlier times where change perhaps is brought in later and there isn't the opportunity to negotiate. It's more about the plan or here's the schedule and and implement it. And I think a lot of the listeners have been in that circumstance as well. In that environment, there is a lot of risk because you haven't had inputs in it. Can you think of sort of the worst case scenarios when you're brought in, you haven't had input? Do you have a story of when there was no negotiation and it wasn't sufficient? What are the implications of that, both to the change team and also to the project? Well, for the change team, tremendous pressure on the change team. You are tasked with the people side of change and you owe it to all of those people to negotiate the best deadlines that you can for them. Worst case scenario is they are not prepared. They're not adequately prepared. They haven't had time to change. They can't do their job, which could lead to a job loss, could lead to low performance for them. And ultimately the project overall not being successful for the organization. And then that organization just being change adverse going forward. So a really, uh, really tricky situation when you're forcing people to change before they have the time and the means to do it properly. And it's disheartening. If you put people in that situation, people who have been able to perform their job well before, all of a sudden in a situation where they can, whether it's time to change their behaviors, time to learn their skills, they find themselves in a position where they can't do their job well. And that's demoralizing for an individual who takes pride in their work and in doing a good job. And they all of a sudden 
can't do that because of this change. So not only does that mean the organization itself might not reap the benefits or be as successful as they hoped it would be if you don't have the people being able to do the job, but the individuals and the organizations are going to be change resistant going forward. You know, as soon as you've had a bad experience with something, the next time the next change comes along, you're going to be starting at a place of resistance as opposed to a place of excitement. And you want change to build excitement. And to do that, you really need to bring people along for the journey and make them see how uh, positive change can be. You raise a great point, Kathy, about how a change, whether it's successful or not, really impacts their impressions of what comes next. And I love the question when you go into an organization and ask, how did the last change go? And that really does suggest how people are looking at change and what they might play into the future of how it's going to go now. And I wonder what happens when you go into an organization or, you know, change is brought in late and you're, you're given the schedule and you look at it, you do your own assessment, you look at your impact analysis and you realize that the time that's been provided is insufficient to do a good job and prepare the people so that they can do their jobs well in the new environment. What are your options of managing that with the project team and also sponsors and the leaders? Well, first of all, is there an opportunity to renegotiate? That's, I think, where everyone kind of steps right into, can I renegotiate this? Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't, and we can get more into that. But then if you can't renegotiate, okay, are there additional resources that could be made available to you to help you accelerate some of your change. I'm always cautious though, honestly, when we talk about just adding resources. Change is a process for people to go through and change takes time. So simply just throwing on resources may or may not work. It, it may help a little bit, but it's not an answer in and of itself. Another thing that I try to do when I'm presented with a really jammed deadline, Look around at the other changes that are also in the hopper for the organization and see if any of those have some flexibility with respect to being pushed out, being rescheduled, just to remove some of the noise in the system. You're going to come into times, though, when none of those options are available. You can't renegotiate. There's no more resources. And the other changes that are in the system could be codependent on yours, so you can't move it. Best thing you can do there, be upfront about the risks involved in the deadlines and have yourself a solid risk mitigation strategy. I always say I want to have a good dashboard to see how adoption is going. And if this happens, then let's go with this. If there's a certain group that's really having a difficult time, how can we help them and hold their hand a little bit closer? Your job at that point, again, is to do the best that you can within the timelines that you have to get the people where they need to be. Unfortunately, like I said, sometimes those deadlines are just imposed. You can't change them. Absolutely. And do you have an example when that happened to you? This is it. and You've expressed concern or just trying to broaden awareness of the risks, but they said, nope, this is it. Can you share with the listeners just sort of sort of the context around that and how you proceeded from there? Sure. In my case, it was a compliance issue. So in those issues, somewhat regulatory, you absolutely don't have the timeline that you would otherwise would have negotiated. And, you know, it's a reality that we're all going to face. I find that honesty is often the best policy. Sounds a little cliche, but 
with everybody. And, you know, you're in this together. We're going to get through this together. We're here to support you in the best way that we can and making sure that their own management is really encouraging them and rewarding the behaviors we want to see, recognizing it's not going to be perfect. And that after the change, we have a lot of resistance management to, to deal with. So really having a good plan in place for that. So an upfront and a risk mitigation, some sort of a scoreboard so you can see where your fracture points are showing early, address them, and then really work on the after implementation, being there with them for the full journey. That would be what, um, what we did when we came up with having to put something in before we were really ready. And yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> it certainly will happen. Great steps. Thank you. I'm wondering if you've had this circumstance. I saw it happen with the change team and they had created their assessment. So they were in early, they were looking at training, communication, engagement activities, everything. And they came up with a timeline. And when they presented it, the timeline was challenged. So it was the experience and the recommendation of, you know, we'll go live in three and a half months and this is how we'll use our time. And they had pushback from leaders and they had pushback from the project team, but for different areas of, of concern or disagreement from the leaders, they just wanted to get it done really quickly. And from the project team, it was more about they were working toward a target date and working back. The math just didn't work. Any reflections about how to manage that? So you're the expert coming in on change. You've created the plan. You've put in a de-risking timeline to make it work. And that just doesn't work with your key stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I wouldn't fly off the handle. I, I found that that's not really good. You know, don't want to disengage as the change manager. You want to you want to work with them. So you really want to establish the trust with them. But at the same time, you want to remind them that one of the greatest causes of project failure is not the technical implementation, but the people implementation. They are then accepting the risk with you. And I remind them that they are now accepting the risk with me that they won't have as an effective implementation as they otherwise might have. I like to be realistic with them. We say it's negotiate the deadlines. So give some options. Be prepared to give options. Say, hey, if we do this with this timeline, this is what we can expect. If we can go to the deadlines I want, here are the benefits that we're going to reap. And then here's a kind of middle road here. So A, B, and C, what are you as an organization, as a leader, as a project team, what are you willing to accept for risk? And I think sometimes just involving them in owning the risk of an unrealistic deadline is quite effective. It's not like you're trying to shift it because ultimately, you know, you own the adoption of the plan. But other people are then involved in the risk of the overall effectiveness of the project itself. Take a step back and say, okay, I hear what you're asking for, and I understand why you're asking for that, but I need you to understand what this means. And be very thorough. Make sure you know your stuff. Make sure you know your alternatives. Make sure 
They are reasonable, well thought out, and mutually beneficial across the organization as much as they can be. Oh, Kathy, that's great. It's the three approaches, the Goldilocks approach of, well, we could do this, this, and this, which is amazing. You also raise a great point about talking about risks and shared risks. And what I've forgotten is you get so into your change management team and role that you start thinking in teams versus thinking about the organization change as a whole where you've got different partners going into it and we're all sharing the risks versus what do you mean you, you don't buy into my assessment which has been based on my skill and it's all ego driven. And I think it does lead into more of a reaction response of being attacked or threatened versus listening and being curious. And I wonder with those two groups, you've got the leaders or the sponsors, you know, steering committee, and then you've got the project team and both are essential. Both are great resources. Do you approach them differently within negotiating? Like, do you take a different tact on the leaders versus the project team, or is there just one approach that you give to both of them? Great question, Phil. And I think that this is a very personal style that everybody probably does it a little differently. Me, I have my authentic self and I try to keep that pretty consistent no matter what, no matter who I'm dealing with, no matter what their role is, no matter what their position is, I have found you gain more credibility and more trust by always being your authentic self. That said, I also like to understand what different people's motivations are in the project, what's really important to them. And speak to that, not to appease to their ego so much, but just to say, I understand where you are coming from and I want to make you successful. Like I said, I don't care what or who they are, whether they're the CEO or the summer student, they're all important and they all have an amazing role to play and a critical role to play in the success of the project. But I mean, end of the day, understand their motivations, but be your authentic self. Don't try to change who you are, depending who you talk to. It catches up with you. Such great advice for everyone. And I wonder when we kick off a project, is there anything that you can do proactively so that you set the stage for a good discussion about the requirements and the timelines and the deadlines that you have versus I think what's happened a lot in the past, which is, okay, I'm going to go away. I'm going to work on it. I'll present it. Now we're getting closer to implementation and, and, and there's always that danger of not landing well. Can you set the stage up front that will help you when it is time to talk about deadlines? Absolutely. And I think I've mentioned it before, but establishing trust with all the different parties that you're involved in, really understanding their challenges so that you don't minimize those going forward as well. When you show to them that you're part of the greater team, yes, change management is what you're personally accountable for, but you see yourself accountable for the whole project. So really have a great understanding of the project in general, the approach they're going to take, the challenges that everybody is going to be experiencing. I think if you go into that with that level of knowledge and with that sense of compassion and thoughtfulness, it really goes a long way into them being caring and compassionate about the role you play too. It's just really immersing yourself in it and coming in prepared, coming, establishing that trust early on in the cycle so that they know that you are committed to the project as they are. I think that's the best thing you can do. Certainly. And, you know, your point about really spending time with the other 
stakeholders and establishing trust and creating that team is so important. But I think there's so many factors that that lead us into tasks versus leading us into relationship building. For the listeners, could you share just a couple of things that you do when you come on so that you do spend time with people and set that stage for we're all sharing the overall success of the project? Because I think it would be really helpful. And for me too, because I fall into that rabbit hole as well. No, absolutely. I try to meet them all individually and informally and and really ask them what their experience with change and projects have been. I really have an understanding of where they're starting from. And even though just even beyond talking business, what is their experience with change just in life in general? Because it is all interconnected. I try to get a good cross section of people that I talk to. I think it's really important not to just knock off the people at the top and make sure that you have their support. You need the support across the project team. I think the more open you are to asking them questions and understanding where they're coming from, it really just helps them accept you as really part of the team and really respect you. You are really there looking out for everyone's best interests. No, that's so so many great tips. And based on those conversations that you've had, did you ever adjust how you connected with them? Once you know this person, she's had not a great experience in change. And then the, the next person, they've had great experience of change and it's worked really well with them. Do you adjust your style based on what you know to be true about them? To some extent, yes. When I have somebody who's either had a bad experience with change Or when you can really pick up on the fact that either they don't have time for the change. Like you you can tell when you talk to people if they think that change management is just an activity of training, communicating. I really then with those individuals say, will you let me share with you some elements of change? So sometimes I think part of the role is then educating people on change. It's going to be tricky. You don't want to insult them. You don't want to lecture them. But I do watch with the ones who are, I would say, are more resistant to the overall discipline of change management that I want to bring them on the journey. I want to include them more. And I want to make sure that I'm there for them as a resource if they do have more questions. I haven't come across it a lot, to tell you the truth. I think people in general are being trained or being developed to be more compassionate and thoughtful. But you're always going to have individuals who are just of the opinion of the mindset we just tell people what they're going to do the biggest mistake i believe you can make with individuals is to try to show them up in a meeting i will usually take them aside and just say can we have a conversation can we have a a coffee virtual coffee these days can we just talk about this because we're, we're we have differing views here and that's okay but can i just explain to you why this is the approach I take. And let me understand from you where you think that I'm spending too much time doing something like, let's talk it out. But like I said, you never want to do that in a confrontational manner. I think it goes back to the relationship building and the trust. And as you say, embarrassing someone in that knee-jerk response, I don't know if you can ever repair that relationship when you've embarrassed someone in front of their peers Absolutely. And it's hard because you're sitting there thinking, I can't believe this. Like they are, they are insulting me and you, but you can't take it personally. 
It's again, the environment either that they've been exposed to, the experience they've been exposed to. So don't take it personally. Just try to understand. And as you say, don't have that knee-jerk reaction in the meeting. Like, oh, you're kidding me. But that's not <laughs> going to go well going forward. Oh, I know. Actually, over the years when I, when I used to do that, and I, I train myself now, I say, whatever they say, Phil, you're completely off base. And you know, that's, uh, how could you say that? I, I train myself now to say, thank you for your feedback. I really yes. appreciate it. And it gives me a buy time to kind of get over that emotion. Yes. And I, I move forward. And I wonder what happens when everything's good, you're going through the project. And as we know, and especially in these longer, larger initiatives, things change and we didn't know it or they're external factors and COVID or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's going to change your deadlines, but there might not be an awareness of how significantly they're going to change. So more time, whatever. How do you approach that? How do you go back and renegotiate based on facts of the circumstances that we're now faced with? Yes, great point. And you have to be really careful if you're going to renegotiate because people will see through it if you're perhaps taking advantage of a situation to give yourself more time. If the outcome is going to be better for everybody, absolutely renegotiate. It comes back to that when I say come up with these different scenarios. If we go along with our original timelines, in lieu of this happening, here's the risk. Here's what outcome we could face versus if we do consider a different timeline, consider delaying some sort of an implementation or that we'll have a better outcome. Sure, go ahead. But you always have to balance renegotiating a deadline with, well, what's the impact to the overall project? You don't want to be myopically focused on just the benefit to yourself and your own timelines around change would be. What I found is is when someone goes back and they go, hey, we need to renegotiate, it sets a certain tone. Okay, we're in the negotiation now, where I love your approach of well, we can continue going as we are now, and this would be the impact, or there's some options to consider. And I just think it's such a different conversation. It's more about an awareness without trying to pitch. It's just more awareness of this is where we are. Do you have an example of trying to do that? Yeah, absolutely. We did. We were switching from measuring people on revenue to measuring people on profit. So big change. A lot of the focus had been, of course, on the system changes that had to go with that, the visibility to the different things, but there was a huge attitude and behavioral change that came with that. So the technical solution was being delayed. There were some challenges with that. They were on the cusp of, do we push out everything? So we have two changes in tandem. You have a technical change and then you have a compensation change. It was not something that anybody took lightly. Like we really thought about, is there an incremental benefit to delaying some of the training we're going to do to make it align closer to when the solution was going to drop? Is it better to get the training now and then do some uptake? And it really have to look at how it's going to impact those stakeholders. And because we'd already put the schedule out there and people were looking forward to some of the things that were coming down as part of even the change management plan, we knew there was a level of excitement. Do we want to lose that momentum? There were a lot of factors to consider, not just giving ourselves more time. Sure, we would have lo- we would love that, 
but which things do you actually move forward and which do you don't? And it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. It can be some incremental changes that you made. And that was the approach that we took. We certainly didn't want to say, okay, you know, full stop, we're going to wait, we're going to push all of this out. So it was more, let's do it in drips instead of a big, huge change at once. And, and I think we're with agile and that we're seeing more advantage of that, but it's not something to take lightly because people already have their expectations set and you're going to lose some personal credibility if you just all of a sudden say to them, no. And you don't want to say, well, we were ready to go, but that project team, that those techies, they <laughs> never do that. Never discourage your uh, your team members. No, a great point. There's so many things that we've talked about where it goes back to trust relationships, seeing it as the whole program that we're part of versus our own. But so many examples when that does happen and it just goes the wrong way. And let's say if you're on a project and you're doing the planning and it is time to talk about deadlines, could you just walk the listeners through how do you prepare? Because you got so many great experiences about how to do it well say for someone who's about to do it now, or they've never had that experience, how do you get ready for that? How do you prepare? Well, do your homework. That's the number one thing. Do your homework. Make sure that you have really done that great impact analysis and make sure you have all of that trust. And we've talked a lot about establishing trust. You know your environment. You know your alternatives, like the different things that you could do, because this is a negotiation. So just understand what will drive the best outcomes for the majority of the people. And that's what you have to go with. And that is doing your homework and looking at all the different moving parts. And yeah, it's complex. Yes, it's very hard. But if you do that upfront work, you're going to be able to negotiate better guidelines. People are going to trust you for this project and also for projects going forward. Great, excellent advice. And you talked about so many projects on the go now for all organizations. And our change that we're working on is is part of the portfolio of all these changes that the organization is doing in the spirit of change on the run. If you only had time to do that one thing, the one thing that would give you 80% of the results and 20% of the time and effort, what would you do? And it's a very theoretical answer. I would say it is that impact analysis because that really enables you, forces you really to understand every component of the project, every impacted group, everything that needs to change and how you're going to change it. I typically spend the most time on that. And there's tons of models out there and there's great examples of them out there. It amazes me when I brought into a project. And that's the first thing I ask is, oh, can I see the impact analysis? And you can tell those who have taken the time and those who just give you the groups, oh, these are the groups that are changing. And in the success of projects I've seen are the ones who have taken that time up front to really focus on that. That's a, such a great answer. And, and if you know the impacts as well or better than the people being impacted, that's your credibility too. Those are your facts that you can use, which is outstanding. And all impact assessments aren't created equal. As we know, some are amazing and then some are, let's say, light. Right. Just Don't make it a check mark. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, we've done our impact assessment check. And just as we close off the show, do you have like final thought or a reflection or something you'd like to leave people with? Just acknowledge the responsibility that you have to the people. 
We talked about how it can have devastating results if the deadlines are not reasonable for people and they don't have a chance to really adjust. You need to be kind. You need to be understanding. You need to be patient with not just the people that you're representing, but with the complete project team. And, you know, another thing I say, think about change management and negotiation deadlines beyond your work experience and your life experience, because it's all the same thing. If you bring people along on the journey with you, and if you're realistic on your expectations of them, you're going to have a lot less resistance. You're going to have people who want to be successful with you. So it really is that just understand that important critical role that you play with the careers and just the future of others. Great advice. Thanks so much, Kathy. And how can listeners get in contact with you? I'm on LinkedIn. You're Kathy Brown. I mean, I know a very unusual name to find, but <laughs> search Kathy Brown on change manager. I think I've tagged it with mine. I can provide my email if people want it. It's B like Brown, Kathy with a C, 188 at gmail.com. Thank you, Kathy. We'll put both of the contact details in the show notes as well. And I can't thank you enough for being on the show and sharing your experience and your advice and stories. It means the world to me. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it, Phil. It's always great to talk about change. I'm available anytime to talk about change with people. It's a passion of mine. I'm excited that more and more people are embracing change and change management. Absolutely. And I can feel your passion. Thank you again. And for the listeners, I hope our conversation has given you some ideas for the next time that you're negotiating deadlines for your change initiatives. And until the next time, I wish you all the best as you continue to lead change.